When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Seven Chakras, episode 365. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you experience effortless healing, awakening, and abundance. In today's episode, we're going to deep dive into our favorite topic, which is the chakras, but we're going to go a whole lot deeper. Uh, But before that, I'd like to remind you that we have recently released a 24-page PDF outlining some of my favorite ways to raise my vibes and feel better almost immediately. To get your hands on that free PDF, go to my7chakras.com forward slash feel better now. That's my7chakras.com forward slash feel better now. All right, so let's bring on our guest for today, who is Lisa Erickson. Lisa is an energy worker specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing and author of Chakra Empowerment for Women. She helps women maximize and balance their energy during key life transits, such as pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and menopause, including balancing the mother-child energy line. She works with both men and women to heal emotional wounds on an energy level from abuse and assault. She has trained in many energy healing modalities, meditation, instruction, and trauma sensitivity, and loves helping individuals connect with their energy body in new and empowering ways. So Lisa, are you ready to inspire? I am ready, AJ. Thank you so much. Awesome. So it's great to have you on our show. To begin with, what is that one, you know, inspiring quote that you really enjoy, you really love, and that you really live by these days? Mm. Oh, gosh, I don't know if I have one quote, but right now I'm really inspired by the rise of the sacred feminine in all of us. And I would say that that is what drives me. I feel like there's a healing going on within both men and women of the sacred feminine. And that's what my work is really about. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah, there's definitely a rise in the sacred feminine and people realizing the energy within themselves as opposed to just acknowledging the masculinity within and the more that people do that they are tapping into their uh, abilities of intuition Mm -hmm. and creativity and sensitivity Mm -hmm. and other wonderful things so thanks a lot can't wait to get started but let's start from the very beginning What was it like growing up in your household? Well, I grew up in a military family, so it was a very conventional, somewhat conservative upbringing. And I was very sensitive energetically, but I was not in an environment where I could explore that or 
uh, surrounded by messages that helped me understand what that was. So it wasn't really until I got to college and had sort of a physical health breakdown that I encountered meditation. And that really helped me understand a lot of what I'd been experiencing, that I was naturally intuitive, naturally empathic. So growing up, I had a very, you know, nice upbringing in the sense of it was a functional household. I moved a lot because my dad was in the Air Force. That certainly shaped me in certain ways. But it wasn't spiritually or intuitively an environment that helped me understand who I really was. Got it. So it wasn't an environment to help you understand who you were. But did you have any mystical or spiritual experiences at all during that phase? Or did it start later on? Yeah, no, I definitely did. I mean, when I was very young, I always had imaginary playmates, which now I view more as being spirit guides and friends. I also was born a twin. And my twin only lived one day. And I think that really informed my upbringing. It wasn't something until I understood until much later that I always felt this connection to the other side. I've done a lot of karmic work since then. I've had a lot of seers and even my uh, the first person to do my natal chart in astrology saw it right away. They're like, oh, there was a death associated with your birth. So there's always been this link to the other side. And I feel like that was part of it. Having this right from a young age, this sense of separation from someone I'd been in the womb with. So I think that shaped me a lot spiritually. And I did, I would have a lot of experiences of, especially outside, if I was out in my mm -hmm. yard or in nature of just sort of, you know, d melting in into light. And I also had a lot of experiences of feeling like I understood what people were not saying, but what they really meant. And I sort of learned to shut that down. So I would say those were the mm -hmm. first signs of intuitive and empathic abilities that I would later go on to understand, but at the time I really shut down a lot. And especially in my teen years, really felt I had to shut them down in order to fit in. Mm. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that with me. And your story of uh, being outdoors and feeling like you were melting into the light, that's pretty interesting because when I was a kid, I remember I had experiences of looking at the sky mm. and realizing that my physical parents are not really my parents, mm -hmm. but then there's like a divine parent mm -hmm. that I'm truly part of. And to me, it didn't make sense logically, but it made sense intuitively. And I think that was part of one of my experiences mm -hmm. where it wasn't like I you know, met an angel or something like that, but it was something that I feel somebody my age would not be thinking of. Right. right? So Action Tribe, take a moment to think about mm -hmm some of your spiritual experiences or mystical experiences that you might have had when you were like three years or four years or five years. Take a minute to ponder those things. So Lisa, you mentioned that at a certain point, you had some health challenges, mm -hmm. which made you get into meditation. So what exactly were you going through at that phase? Yeah, I really had two big health challenges in my life, both of which triggered me into first triggered me into meditation. The second triggered me mm -hmm. into the energy healing work that I do. So two big jumps. So the first was in college and I was experiencing intense headaches, really now in retrospect, clearly stress induced, right? But I was going through all this stuff with my neck and doing all this work, thinking that it was physiological, which it was to some extent. I was a dancer and I was struggling with whether I wanted to stay in that field. I was struggling with a lot of things socially. Where did I fit in? And you know, I was internalizing a lot of stress. I didn't know how to handle it. And I, I ended up going to a yoga class that included meditation. And this was 35 years ago. So now that then it was rare. Now it's everywhere, right? But at that time, it was rare in this country, uh, in the US. So I walked into that. And although my mind was very busy, 
I had a few moments where I did have this sense of just letting go of almost dissolving. And I think it was a, it was a remembering, right? It was a reminder in a way of some of those childhood experiences that we're discussing. So I went on to study meditation and quickly migrated into chakra meditation, ended up with a teacher that, that taught Kundalini and chakra meditation and did that for many years. So it really, although it started as a stress reduction thing, it very quickly became much more than that, a profound spiritual path. And I can get into the second health crisis later if you want, but I'll just, I'll start there for now and let you, let you respond. Got it. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. You know, it seems like uh, stress related to what you have to or want to do in life or stress related to not fitting in, those are typically the most common mm -hmm. uh, stresses, right? Because mm -hmm. one has to do with your root chakra of belonging and the other has to do with your crown chakra, mm -hmm. right? Like what do, you, what do you do in life? Mm -hmm. What is your purpose? And I connect with a lot of our listeners and me myself also, right? From time to time in different stages of our life, we tend to question, are we really doing what we truly are meant to do? And no matter how much clarity we seem to have, there's always this part of us that's elusive. There's always this part where we feel like, Maybe we're supposed to do something else to really align with our, our destiny. So I get, you know, where you were coming from and that was causing you stress and you went to that yoga class and you mm -hmm. experienced that meditation and you felt better. So obviously at some point down the line, you decided to do energy work full time. But did you always want to be working in the field of energy work? Like what were you doing initially? No, I mean, a really, originally I was working in technology. I worked in that field for many, many years. And I had my own spiritual practice and my practice was really, it was my spiritual practice, my meditation, my Kundalini yoga, Kundalini meditation. And I was studying astrology on the side and I also was studying energy healing on the side, but I really was doing it just for myself. I did not really ever think mm. I would get into this work. And that changed when I had my first child. That was now almost 16 years ago. And I was already 38. I had children late and I had another health crisis after the birth of a child, at that point, I was very healthy all the time, right? I'd been doing kundalini yoga, kundalini meditation. To some extent, I might have been almost egotistical about it, or, or, or I really just thought that, you know, I was super healthy, nothing could happen to me, right? But I had a real crash, and I had a great pregnancy, but I had a real crash after the birth of my daughter. I had a gallbladder attack and then a series of infections, but also I just felt like my energy body had crashed. I couldn't get the kundalini <clears throat> up. And I went searching for teachings to help me understand that and came across a lot of teachings on women's energy bodies. And that sent me down this whole other path. I realized that there hadn't been a lot of sharing about the differences between men and women's energy bodies and things like pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, all of those things, how the energy body is impacted. And that became one of my specialties. From there, I had a lot of women coming to me with sexual abuse and assault backgrounds. And so that became another specialty. So my second health crisis really initiated a total change in career. I never went back to my technology career after that point. Got it. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. So that was when you were 38. Yeah. And before that, you were pursuing a tech career. So when you were doing your your work yeah. in the tech industry, did you did you enjoy what you were doing? Or what, do you, what were your thoughts? Like, I'm just trying to figure out. So you joined a tech career. Why did you, you know, do that? And then what made you change? So what was that? Well, I think I never... Thought I would stay in it as long as I did. At the time, it was a good way okay. to make money. And I was really focused mm -hmm. on my spiritual path. So it gave me this sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. Sorry, excuse me. Um, it gave me this real sense of freedom. It allowed me to travel. I was also studying martial arts and I would compete in martial arts. 
So I kind of just, it kept going and going and going. And it just sort of, I was never completely happy, but I was never unhappy, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so then the health crisis sort of, you know, forced you or made you rethink your career decisions mm-hmm. and uh, sort of uh, make a transition. Right? Yeah. And I think becoming a mother was a big part of it as well, that that put me through a lot of shifts. It made me reprioritize. Mm-hmm. It made me realize um, how I really wanted to spend my time. It made me think about what I wanted to contribute to the world, not just what I wanted to get from it. So it was kind of a heart opening and a shift, a deeper thinking about the future of the world, where we are. And all of that really inspired me to completely shift. And again, I had been studying energy healing on the side for many years. I just hadn't taken, and I'd even done some client sessions. I just hadn't considered moving full-time into that. And it really, becoming a mother changed all of that for me. So what made you write your book, Chakra Empowerment for Women? That was really the culmination of the last 15 years of work on women's energetics and wanting to get it out there in a form that more women could use. And actually, I have men that read the book, too. That's what's so interesting. Even my father, my 92-year-old father-in-law has read it. Because a lot of it, some of it is not specific Mm -hmm. to women at all. But what I am trying to do in that book is really pinpoint the specifics of how women's and men's energy bodies tend to differ. And how women then, how that may emphasize or how that may impact how a woman should work with her energy body differently from a man. And it's really a spectrum because I have individuals who identify as female or transgender, et cetera. And they, you know, it's a spectrum of of changes. And then also these life phases. And then the third part of it is the sexual assault and trauma healing. In every chapter, I've included a section specifically on how to work with that particular chakra tool how that chakra is usually impacted by sexual trauma and how to work with that. And a lot of that is also not specific to women, although I've worked with more women sexual trauma survivors than men, but I've worked with both. Got it. So obviously, like you mentioned, there are various things that might influence the energetics of a woman, depending on what stage of life she is in and you know some other factors that you've sort of outlined in your book. But How are the energetics of women different from that of men? Well, in general, men tend to be anchored in the root chakra, which is how traditional kundalini teachings are taught, right? That the energy body is anchored in the root chakra. The kundalini rises up from the root and joins into the crown, right? But if you really dive into energy body teachings across both traditional kundalini traditions, tantra traditions, energy medicine traditions, Women's energy bodies are usually taught, and this is my experience, they're anchored in the second chakra in the pelvis. And the second chakra is located a little lower for women, or the focal point for it is really right at the uterus, and which is typically lower than where it's normally taught. So for women, I focus on that as the center point of their power. I focus on that as the anchoring point for the energy body. And that has a lot of implications in the, in the sense that the energy body is this interface between our physical body and our spirit. At the spirit level, it's non-gendered, right? But at that level that connects to the body, that second chakra is impacted by everything that impacts our reproductive system. And women are a lot different in that area, right? We have a menstrual cycle. We have uh, the onset of menstruation. Then we have pregnancy. Then we have perimenopause and menopause. A lot men also have shifts, mm-hmm. but women's are much more dramatic. And their energy body, especially Mm -hmm. that second chakra, shifts with every single one of those transits. So understanding that can be really helpful. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, you know, keeping that in mind, that their center of energy might be in the second chakra, right? Rather than the first chakra, what are some ways in which 
um, blocked energy can show yeah. up. Like. Well, because the second chakra for both men and women is this very receptive chakra and a very fluid chakra, its element is water, it's linked to creativity, mm -hmm. sensuality, sexuality, really to our adaptability, right? Like the root is our foundation. And then the second chakra is our ability to adapt. It's very, very sensitive. So having our energy bodies based there, the number one impact for women is that our energy bodies by default tend to be more absorbent of energies. And we need to put more emphasis into energetic boundaries than most men. Now, of course, there are many men, probably including yourself, that are highly empathic and also have to put a lot of attention into boundaries. But women tend to have even more of an issue with that. And then there's our conditioning that mm -hmm. in relationships, we're still very much conditioned more than boys to take on others' emotions, take responsibility for others' emotions. That creates a, a lot of issues. And then there's the way sexual lines and impact women. So that's a whole different topic. But uh, so I think boundaries mm -hmm. is the number one thing women need to attend to. In terms of emotions that get trapped there, I think shame and guilt uh, are the main blocks that I see in the second chakra. Um, and that, that the energy of shame, sexual shame, for example, in both men and women can be a big problem. Mm -hmm. and, I, and because our culture can't really deal with sexuality, I kind of mm -hmm. feel like we need a mass healing of the second chakra across the whole world, essentially, because we have just so many problems with human sexuality, right? With really relating to it in a healthy mm -hmm. way. So, you know, diving deeper into this sexual shame that is a big challenge and is not addressed much and needs healing work, like you say, what are we talking about here? What are some of the topics or issues that fall within the purview of yeah. sexual shame? Well, we have a lot of conditioning around sexuality that either it's uh, it, it, within a religious framework a lot of the time that somehow it's impure or problematic, or we have, you know, kind of cultural conditioning, which is both men and women, especially women, objectified and orienting around their worth in terms of being sexually attractive, right? Like I was just, I have three teenagers, so mm. I was just at a seminar that was on social media and it was showing the top three mm. TikToks for January. All three of them were these really sexy young girls just being as sexy as they could, right, on screen. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's really mm -hmm. the cultural conditioning around it, around sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's very superficial oriented. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. all of that. It's about doing away with the denigration of sexual energy, but also with the objectification and trying to heal all of that to come into right. a relationship with the body, pleasure and intimacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's so true. I mean, wherever you look, you look like, I mean, you look at platforms like TikTok or you look at apps like Tinder and you look at some of the music videos that do really well. You see one common theme and that is sex. And that's not uh, mm -hmm. sacred sex. That's obviously shallow sex. That's objectifying men and women based on not how they look, but how they've made mm -hmm. themselves to appear. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you know what I mean, using Photoshop and all these platforms. And uh, there's this veil that we want people want to hide behind. Because they fear that if they, if somebody looks at them, mm -hmm. their true self, then they would feel that shame once mm -hmm. again. Right? So, I mean, these are all huge, uh, you know, collective macro level things. Like how does a person individually even uh, yeah. make a dent in this, yeah. right? Because we're not going to change, uh, you know, society in, in one month, right? The music videos are still going to be there. TikTok is just growing and people are adopting that platform. And Tinder is also, you know, it seems like people yeah. want to use that. So 
Well, and all those platforms can be used to really communicate amazing things, right? Like they're really, they can be a platform for personal growth. And so it isn't so much the platform, it's the way we relate to them. They are all visually based. Mm. And so they're forcing us all to focus externally, right? So it's really about being honest about your motivations. And in reference to the second chakra, it's really about feeling embodied and experiencing your body, regardless of how it looks as a sacred vehicle. Really being grateful for your body. I think that's a very simple thing people can do every day, really expressing gratitude that I can eat and I can walk and being able to experience pleasure in the body in a very mindful way. Just eating your favorite food and being 100% present with that, uh, your favorite scent, your favorite mm-hmm. music. And if you, if you think about the experiences we both shared about our childhood being out in nature, part of that was physical, mm-hmm. right? Part of the reason it happened outside was our sensitivity to the energies of nature, right? So tuning into mm-hmm. that sensitivity and those energies is very second chakra. It's very much about connecting to the body as the energy, an energetic instrument and tool. And I think when we talk about, say, the crown chakra and traditional spiritual teachings coming up, 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 sometimes it's very much about transcendence of the body. The second chakra is all about experiencing the body as sacred and the body as this, mm-hmm. you know, conduit for sensitivity and pleasure. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So you're suggesting for us to get in touch with our body once again. And I like to say that once again, because a lot of us were more in touch yeah. with our body as kids, right? But now we've sort of, um, and it's easy to forget that because our focus is so much outwards, like the examples that you've shared. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time looking at the mirror, you know, just staring at the mirror. And through that, I would get mm-hmm. to know myself and also, in a way, mm-hmm. appreciate mm-hmm. myself and feel grateful. You know, I didn't need to use gratitude affirmations to feel grateful and know who that mm-hmm. person was in front, yeah. of, in, you know, in front of me in, in the mirror. And I've realized lately that mirror work mm-hmm. is actually a thing mm-hmm. that you look in the mirror and you feel grateful for the person in front and without judging, appreciate every aspect of that essence that is in the mirror in front of you. So, so thanks a lot for sharing. I think that's something that we all can do, go out more in nature and connect more with our bodies and get to know ourselves once yeah. again. So your interest in... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The energetics of women particularly came about during the birth of your first child, right? So what was happening at that point? And what were some of the shifts that you were going through? Like one of the things you mentioned, I think, was you felt that your aura or your energy body was very yeah. different, right? It sort of broke yeah. down or something like that. So what was well, happening? And I had been meditating on the chakras for many years. So I was very practiced, really in bringing the kundalini up and going into mystic states, going into states where you felt that was what the tradition that I studied in was about. And it had made me very sensitive to energies and all that. It hadn't prepared me for when you have a baby, mm-hmm. just like physically a woman's body basically will give all the nutrients to the baby. Like if the woman's not getting enough nutrients, the baby will be perfectly healthy. It's the woman's mm-hmm. body that will suffer because the body will just naturally give everything. Well, it, 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 ha- it actually the right. same thing happens energetically your body will essentially give all this energy to the baby that continues after a baby is born. They call it fourth trimester, right? And in addition, you have this mother-child energy line that mirrors the umbilical cord from the woman's Mm -hmm. womb to the baby's navel, right? And that energy line continues. And so there's this big adjustment that Mm -hmm. has to be made. And and for some women, it's very smooth. For other women, it's very hard. And, And that energetic adjustment contributes to postpartum depression, et cetera. In my own case, it was just like all of my energy, which I was used to being able to bring up here, was just whoom, brought down and I couldn't, I couldn't move it. I couldn't bring it up. And I thought that was really a failure. In fact, and I was very energetically depleted because I just didn't understand the shifts that were happening. In fact, it, it, it wasn't really a failure. It was mm-hmm. just a shift that I had to adjust to. I had to adjust to the reality that mm-hmm. part of my energy was going to my child and that was okay and learn how to manage my energy in a new way, how to call on my partner. So there was a lot of shifts that occurred, Mm -hmm. but it also opened me up to the sacral chakra itself as a doorway, right? It's the spiritual doorway of life. Like that's the energy that comes through birth. And so it also opened up me up to Mm -hmm. that as a spiritual doorway, not just the crown chakra, if that makes sense. And as I've worked with both men and women with the second chakra, that's what happens if you, if you learn to meditate on that chakra in a non-sexual fashion, it connects you with this kind of primordial creativity. And I think a lot of artists actually connect mm-hmm. with that spontaneously. So that's really the fascinating thing about the second chakra, this primordial creative energy that it, that it can connect you with, men or women. Well, absolutely. And thanks a lot for breaking that down for us. It makes sense that as you were going through the birthing phase, that your entire energetic focus went down to the sacred chakra. And it's true that especially artists and creatives and visionaries, they are able to intuitively uh, connect with their sacred chakra and express. And other people can do that, like you're sharing through focus and and, and intention and and through certain exercises. But it's true, right? You have the umbilical cord, but then you have a mother line also, right? That connects with the baby. And from my understanding, that continues all throughout the energetic cord no matter where the mother is, there's always this energetic cord that connects the child. And also, not just mothers and babies, from what I understand and intuitively know, mm-hmm. there's a heart line also, right? That connects 
mm-hmm. you to someone that you're in love with and when there's a breakup it hurts not because of whatever other things that you might be going through only but also because mm-hmm. the energetic line is sort of cut right so that 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 hurts a lot uh, which makes sense f- mm-hmm. from an energetic standpoint but yeah but thanks a lot for sharing the so the sacral chakra not only is it connected to the process of birthing but it also is connected mm-hmm. to the process of creativity and bringing out mm-hmm. and the birthing of new ideas and new concepts and new ways of thinking so thanks a lot for that so how does the advent of puberty on one end and mm-hmm. menopause on the other end how do these events affect mm-hmm. a woman's so chakra so what occurs and this occurs to boys too to some extent with puberty but what occurs with the second chakra is, first of all, at that time, it's really like awakened, right? That really initiates the awakening into sexual energy to a large extent, puberty for both men and women, right? So it is this reawakening in the second chakra, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure, uh, the root and second, but the second is more of the energetic aspect of it. And for women, what happens with our menstrual cycle is that the sacral chakra sort of expands and contracts with their cycle. So they are from that point forward on this cycle of their sacral chakra becoming more emanating and then more uh, closed down, right? Or or out and in and out and in. And it's interesting that now our understanding of the hormonal shifts and the pheromone shifts that occur mirror that exactly. Like we actually literally are at our most charismatic at the peak of our cycle at ovulation and we are more constricted and lower energy at the time of our period. It's a time to go inward. It's a very intuitive time, right? It's 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 actually a time of potential for great insight. So a woman is in this cycle. And if she understands mm-hmm. that, then you can work with that cycle as opposed to fighting against it. You know when you need to give yourself more time and when you have a lot of energy. And we now understand that men also have a cycle like that. It's just a little less pronounced. So I think for men in particular that are very intuitive, they can learn to tap into that cycle. It's like you're learning your own surf. You're learning what is your own energetic surf and you can work with it instead of it being kind mm-hmm. of this mystery where you you don't really get why your energy is one way one day and, and, and the other way another day. So that's puberty. I don't know if you want to respond to that first before I get into menopause, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I mean I totally agree with you that the onset of puberty both in men and women is a very eventful phase where you're transitioning into a new energy structure yeah. in your lifetime, right? And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that if women are more aware of their cycles, that is when they're in the period of ovulation and when they're pe- yeah. in the period of their period, so to speak, they can arrange their activities or projects or whatever in such a way that allows them to either rest Mm -hmm. and rejuvenate or express and take action. I'm curious about the men's part though. Like Mm -hmm. I know that there are cycles for sure because I'm sure that men can relate. There are phases where no matter how much they try, they're not able to be creative and to sort of execute. And sometimes they just feel like resting and relaxing and maybe, you know, brainstorming or, or planning. So, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on how can men discover what that slightly less pronounced cycle is like. And then, of course, we can talk about... Well, um, for men, because they are anchored more in the root chakra, there's pros and cons to that. Just like there's pros and cons to women being anchored in the second chakra, right? They're more empathic, but that also means they need boundaries more. They're more susceptible to other people's energies, right? For men, being rooted in that root chakra, well, what if the root chakra is sort of over... if, If the root chakra is in this pattern of sort of being really strong and then... 
waxing and waning in that way. What is it when it is overly strong? It can almost lead to a over-physicalization, meaning being so tied to the physical body and physical urges, whether that's sex or just wanting to sleep or just wanting to eat, like being so tied to the physical body that it's kind of heavy. And there's no sort of, there's a, there's a mm-hmm. less fluidity and less insight, right? So for men, the path is really about mm-hmm. understanding and balancing that tendency towards physicality and physical identity with insight and energetic sensitivity and emotional sensitivity, right? Where for women, it's all about boundaries and, and stabilizing and grounding all of those energies. So I think for men, thinking of that cycle in terms of, it's not just an energetic cycle of, oh, I'm energetic and then I'm tired. It's, oh, when I'm tired, what is really going on? Is there an over-identification with the body? And how do I bring in some other energy to get almost, not beyond the body, but something in addition to the body? Does that make sense? It's really about working with the, the root chakra energies. Yeah. And not getting too tied in them. Yeah, yeah, just being root. more intentional. There's such a thing as being too root chakra, right? If you're too root chakra, you can't, you're not yep. functioning in any of the mm. higher chakras, right? And I would say that mm. is very much an over-yang oh, yeah, problem, totally. right? Which some men have, a lot of men have in the world. Yeah. yeah, 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 I totally agree. I mean, it's important to not just spend too much time in the root chakra, but to intentionally understand what you want yeah. Intentionally, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the root or do you want to be in the sacral, some creativity, or mm-hmm. do you want to be in the heart? You want to just connect with your yeah. um, with your heart chakra mm-hmm. and, and send out or receive love. So that, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So you were saying the yeah. other end of the spectrum, the menopausal. So uh, a perimenopause, yeah. which is really the five to 10 years before menopause, which for most women is going to be in their 40s, because for most women, menopause is around 52, 53, I think is the average age. Um, our physically or medically, our cycle is getting irregular usually during that time. And that's when a woman may experience hot flashes, headaches, other anxiety, other things that are considered the traditional symptoms in the medical community, Right. But what is really happening during that time is kundalini surges. And it's very interesting whether someone has been studying kundalini or not, or whether someone is in touch energetically or not. And it's interesting, this does happen for both men and women. There is at around 42, 43 in astrology, in Western astrology, what's called the Uranus opposition. And Uranus is exact opposite where it was when we were born. And Uranus is the planet of kundalini. So the whole idea of a midlife crisis is really tied to, it's usually kicked off by this surges of kundalini that the purpose of kundalini is to push through obstructions to growth. So if someone wants to grow and they are consciously embracing that, it's a great opportunity because all of your obstructions are being brought to your attention. That may manifest in your life as sort of things, Mm -hmm. crisis points that are making you question who you are, or it could manifest as messages from your body, medical issues, et cetera. It, it's different for everyone, but that's what we usually think of as the midlife crisis, right? It's really this kundalini cycling that's occurring. And the more consciously that you embrace it, the more of an opportunity it is. So what happens is if a woman really embraces that, menopause is this rebirth into her wisdom years. That's what it's supposed to be for both men and women. This last third of our life is meant to be not the deterioration or our expiration date, right? Which is how we in the West tend to view aging. It's meant to be this fruition. We're not like just defined by our body anymore. We know our body's transient. We know we're going to die. But now we're in this full flowered phase of our wisdom, our power, 
What are we doing in the world? What are we bringing to the world? It should feel like that. For all too many people, it feels like this downward slide. Mm-hmm. And physically, the body is the body's going to do what right. it's going to do. It's going to age, right? But it should be for met- as menopause for women as their mm-hmm. cycle ends, they're no longer tied to that cycle. So now they can identify completely with their energy body and their spirituality and that's an opportunity for tremendous growth and coming into a whole new level of wisdom. And I believe it's that for men too, but we just don't really support it in our society that way. We're so focused on looking young and, you know, physically mm. staying young. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel I feel that for men maybe this the perimenopause phase so. might be slightly earlier. I think it comes mm. in the age of 30 to 32 where you're firstly existentially yeah. you're questioning a lot of things around you. Maybe you've been doing something that you were not totally passionate about and now you want to sort of change directions. But also on the physical body, there's a lot of changes that are happening that may want you to a you know change your habits, change your patterns, you know, yeah. change your life, like make a lot of changes, right? And I think not just for men, it's happening a lot earlier for women as well. Maybe not particularly on the yeah. biological front, but in many other ways, especially energetically, people are starting to do things much more earlier these days, right? With the advent of technology. And so I think that, I don't know, that might be affecting yeah. our biology also. But yeah, that's that's where it's so interesting for you to, for well, you and to I share think, that. Thanks oh, a lot for sharing. Well, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it yeah, is the been. urgency of our world too, like the sense that our world is in crisis is yeah. this generation. And I have three teenagers, right? So I feel like it's, there is this sense of people questioning younger. And I did start my, my spiritual path in my 20s, so I relate to that. Yeah. So I think that's really the point. The younger you start, when you hit that midlife transit, you are ready yeah. now to just karmically yeah. shed whatever the last remnants of obstruction are to you fully owning your power, right? So it's very interesting. And yeah. it's very interesting because 3032 is right after yeah. the Saturn return. I'm also an astrologer, so I'm always very interested in these things. So yeah. And that's considered okay. the transit of yeah. Yeah. like karma. So it's kind of like shifting from your karma to your dharma. And you sort of make this decision of, I'm going to do what everybody told me to do, or no, I'm going to really live my truth. You know, and that that's kind mm-hmm. of what you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And thanks a lot for chipping in with the astrological uh, insight and wisdom. And, uh, you know, for everyone who's listening to this episode right now, whether you're 42 or whether you're 32, Sometimes we ask ourselves, right, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while and time is passing, right? Time never stops for anybody. And then you might almost immediately conclude that I'm getting old, but I'd like to, I'd like you to ask yourself, are you getting old or are you feeling old, right? Because feeling old is something that can be changed. Like I have seen uh, on social media, right? People who are 52, 53, 55, who've changed their life, their habits, they're now having plant nutrition, they're changing their cycles, they're exercising more often. And you not only feel younger, but you look younger as well. So my point is that at no what, uh, no matter what age you are, there are always certain things you can do to feel younger uh, in addition to all the beautiful mm-hmm. energetics that you can do to ensure that your prana is running properly once again. And that, of course, has an influence on your life which brings me to my next question i think you've written about it in your book as well is how does you know getting older affect your your prana or your life force energy what's the sort well at the energy body level you should be getting more and more and more powerful throughout your life 
And death then becomes just this, like at that point, Mm -hmm. ideally, you know, this is the idealized version. At that point, you're so sourced from within, from every chakra, that the body is almost just like this very thin sheath and it just falls away. That's the ideal death, right? So really, instead, it's like we have it all backwards. We're so focused on the deterioration of the body. In fact, what life is, if you're going inward, especially Mm -hmm. doing chakra work or whatever your modality is, it's an increased identification with your energy body and your spirit to the point where you're completely sourced from within. You're so anchored in that light that is at the center of every chakra that the, uh, the body is still a beautiful vehicle for it. But its deterioration is not this great tragedy. It's just a life cycle. And it doesn't shift who you are inside at all. You know? Yeah. Mm. And I, I worked recently with a woman that's, who was 72 so who was facing sexual trauma that she had experienced as a child mm-hmm. for the first time. She had never told anyone of it. And she experienced this great healing. So it can happen at any age. You know, it can happen. And it really changed her life and the way she was relating to her world at that age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, since you spoke about mm-hmm. Saturn, you spoke about Uranus, mm-hmm. um, how do celestial objects like the moon or the planet? Oh, it's retrograde, yeah. Mercury, since it's Mercury retrograde right now, right? How do these, how do these yeah. objects affect our chakras? Yeah, I think it's body? interdependence. We are all part of an energetic matrix. We tend to view ourselves as separate, right? But we, you know, at the energy level, we are all connected through lines through forces and emanations, through elemental forces. And so energetically, it all contributes to the weather out there, right? All of the planets have a certain magnetic force. And as they Mm -hmm. shift, as they're going through their various orbits, it creates different energetic shifts that impacts us, right? Now, sometimes maybe we, um, we get too attached to, oh, Mercury retrograde, that means this, 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 and this. But in general, there's just there's some sort of shift, some sort of feeling of circling backwards to move forwards. That is the main energy of that time. And that's what we can tap into. We can we can use those as energetic waves that we can connect with. And that's really what energy work is. It's about finding your own source inside your chakras. But it's also about recognizing how everyone impacts you, how nature impacts you, how the astrological weather out there impacts you. It's just this whole other level of awareness you know, that we can tap into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the weather definitely affects everyone around, mm. especially since I live in Vancouver. Um, when it's uh, sunny out, you know, almost everyone is in a good mood. You'll have a lot of cars outside because everyone wants to go to the mountains. They want to go to the lakes. And there's a sense of urgency because they know that the sun will not last that long. But when it's cloudy, you know, especially if you're in a store, people are more grumpy, you know, you know, just yeah. obviously there are some people who are not connected that much, yeah. right, with the weather, but it does affect people. They're more grumpy or maybe they're more by themselves. They feel more depressed. There's a sense of depression, like a cloud, right, literally hanging on top of you. So yeah, definitely the sun makes such a difference in our lives. And for those who have... Yeah, I do. Sunshine, I'm in Los Angeles, so we have a lot of sunshine. It's, it's wonderful <laughs> that, that you have that. We have other problems. We have yeah, fires yeah. But then the there's challenges and, with that yeah. too, right? So we have other yeah, issues, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, uh, great. So thanks for sharing that. So so how can a woman use the knowledge of energetics and what we've spoken about to smoothen these energetic events uh, well, in becoming, life and meant to? 
connected to the chakras through some sort of modality. And that's what I'm really trying to do in my book is open it up, give people tools that are not just sort of meditations that feel maybe too hard to get into or too time consuming, but really helping people to understand that you can connect with a chakra in a moment when you need it. You know, you're feeling anxious. You can anchor in your root chakra right in that moment just by focusing on that part of your body. And I like visuals, so I give people different visuals. Some people like affirmations. I think everybody has different ways in to feel safe in your body in that moment. You know, you need a burst of confidence or you're feeling frazzled. You can focus on your navel chakra and you can center yourself, right? You're feeling rigid. You need to have an emotional or heartfelt conversation with someone you love. You can focus on your heart and center there and come back into a place of compassion and love that you can really work with your chakras in a moment. And I think developing that habit, putting some effort into that so that it becomes a lifelong habit, even if you never develop a full-on meditation practice, which honestly, I would love for everyone in the world to have a full-on meditation practice. But even if you don't do that, if you develop this habit of sort of energetic mindfulness, you'll be more aware of these energetic changes. You'll develop energetic boundaries. You'll be aware of your energetic cycles. And then they don't rule you you utilize them. And that is really the purpose of this book and a lot of the work in there. How do you learn to work with the mother-child line, energy line? How do you learn to work with the shifts of menopause or of your menstrual cycle so that you don't feel like you're a victim of them? You feel as if they're a source of power instead. So how's the energy of 2020 different from the energy of yeah. the last decade that ended in wow, 2019? It's intense. What are your That's thoughts what I on feel that? like. And of course, I'm somewhat colored by the fact that I am in the United States, so we're in an election year, and the intensity of that process mm-hmm. in this country and the tribalization and the intensity of the anger that gets triggered. Excuse me, this is my Mercury retrograde, this little cough. Um, it just cropped up this morning. Yeah, it's so weird. Oh. Yeah, I feel as if we have great light and great darkness. That theme has been going on for a while, but it really leapt into a new level right now. So we all have to be very careful not to get triggered into anger and constriction and tribalization, other, 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 those people over there, that viewpoint, this, that's, that is the energy now that is the most dangerous. We know it's being magnified on social media. Like we all live in these information silos now, right? We only tend to get information from sources that are, have the same viewpoint as us. So we're becoming more and more separate that way. So we're really being called to not give into mm. that and instead interdependence, connect, right? Connect. And if we do that, there's tremendous light available. There's tremendous feeling of uh, awakening that we can tap into. And it's actually such a relief. It's almost like you get above the water, you get above, there's all this anger and emotion. And as soon as you get here, like, oh, wow, there's all of this connectedness. So you have both going on. You have such heavy, intense darkness and anger, and then you have such bursts of a light and people that are feeling uh, ascension and kundalini and connection. And you have these two themes that are equally strong. And I think that that's, that really just seems to be going more and more and more. What do you think? Is that how you're experiencing it or? Yeah, that's there for sure. But uh, I guess in addition to that, what I feel is that uh, with 2020, we've entered a new energetic uh, doorway where uh, if somebody has been wanting to work on their intuition or wanting to connect with their psychic senses or maybe, you know, understand who they truly are, this is going to be a bit more effortless because collectively we have ascended to yeah. the next 
level because of the intentions, because of the uh, chanting and because of the prayers of so many people around the world, more and more people are doing meditation doing and energy it. work. Mm-hmm. That's having an effect on people who are not mm-hmm. already doing these practices, right? And so I feel that if intention is going to be quicker, because even with if you look at the advent of technology, yeah. information exchange is becoming much more quicker, right? And I feel that that's having an effect on our psyche, or maybe our psyche is having an effect on the technology, one or the other. But I think our yeah. consciousness is having an effect that's on the technology as opposed to the other way around. It's, you know, I've been studying the teachings on the fast. Kali Yuga, yeah. <laughs> which was in Tibetan Buddhism. And, and some Indian teachings were in the Kali Yuga, others teach were in other mm. Yuga. But the Kali Yuga, it, speeding up of karma and speeding up of action on intention is part of that. It's interesting. It's like it, the, the metaphor that I use is like we're in a car that instead of going 50 miles an hour is going 100 miles an hour. So, so if you have a positive intention, you're going to get there even faster. Months, yeah. But if you get caught in anger, like the price is even, mm. is even worse, right? You'll crash because you're going That's so true. fast, right? Where at 50, you'd yeah, be safe. Yeah. So yeah. it really is That's a true. call to really yeah. move into our higher nature. And if you do, you can progress even faster. But if you get pulled into yeah. the quagmire, um, it's yeah. even more dangerous. And I think we're seeing that across yeah. the world in terms of world events, both both things. Yeah, yeah we see that. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're seeing that. I mean, I think because of social media, yeah. right? Like more people committing suicide, yeah. which is not a good thing. More people going into depression, anxiety, yes. stress, because it can hit you so fast that you will not even realize that you're going through a stress or a depression syndrome, right? It's happening so fast. And so I, I agree completely with you that we need to really know these practices that yeah. we can use whenever we want. that can help us relax and at the same time, you know, go to the next level. So thanks a lot for sharing Action Tribe. I hope you enjoyed this session of My 7 Chakras. The goal with these episodes is to show you that what you see is not all there is. There is a mystical force that you breathe in and out that only becomes visible once you really become still and observant. The key though is trust your intuition because as Albert Einstein once put, there is no logical way to the discovery of these elemental laws. There is the only way of intuition which is helped by a feeling for the order lying beyond or behind the appearance, right? Action Tribe, are you finding it hard to de-stress and unwind in the midst of this crazy pandemic? Come join us for a soothing, relaxing breathwork session online on Zoom. Now, I do these sessions for our paid members twice a week, and I've received so many powerful testimonials from people who have received a lot of support, comfort, and healing from these sessions. And to show you just how powerful these yogic breathwork practices are, every month I do a breathwork intro workshop for people who would like to give this a shot. In the past, people have paid anywhere between $10 to $20 for a drop-in, but for a short while, I've decided to make these sessions available for just $0.50 cents a ticket. And these sessions are live, but you just pay 50 cents. So if you'd like to learn how to calm your mind, relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss using your breath from the comfort of your home, visit my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. That's my seven is a word my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. I'll see you soon. So now is the time for our wisdom round, which is basically four questions 
so that our listeners can take note and take action. And then after that, we go to the bonus content for our Action Tribe Energy Circle members. Action Tribe, if you're not already part of the Energy Circle, to learn more and to get to know what you're going to get as part of that membership, visit my7chakras.com forward slash join. That's my7chakras.com forward slash join. All right. So Lisa, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, Stay centered in your heart. That sounds very simple. But when you don't know what to do, instead of spinning, which is was my tendency for many years in my mind to just always be trying to intellectualize things, figure things out mentally, to just drop down, drop down into your heart and just dwell there for a while. And really ask yourself, what is the most loving response? What is the most loving decision towards myself or others? And see if that changes the answer that you're seeking. That's your compass. And it really answers everything. It's not always easy to do, but it's it's very simple in a way. Mm -hmm. And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who is living Mm -hmm. or dead, who would it be? Probably my first spiritual teacher who passed away many years ago now in 1998. But so many things now that I wished I would have asked him now for the the wisdom of, of age. And I would just ask him, how do we manage the world now, the way that it is now? It feels like it's happening so fast, so quickly. How do we stay centered and how do we help bring more people into their true self? You know, how can we really do that? And what is that one thing that you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep uh, that has improved the quality of your life? Meditation. That is the one gift of my first teacher. Since college, I've meditated every day. Sometimes it was for one minute when I had a newborn baby or I had twins. After that first one, I had twins. So um, yeah, Mm. you know, when my babies were young, maybe I could only meditate for a couple of minutes, but I meditate every morning. And for me, that is just like plugging into the source every day. And it changes my whole day doing that. And uh, what is that one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today? Mm. Well, if I can't recommend my own, which we're already doing, I will recommend Lama Sultram Alioni's uh, Wisdom Rising. She is an American teacher within Tibetan Buddhism, and she's also, I study with her currently, and she's sort of very instrumental in my path as well. Wisdom Rising. Wisdom Rising. All right. We'll have that in our show notes. Action Tribe, would you like to receive one book for free? Because Audible.com is offering all our listeners one free audio book download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out this new way of consuming a book, which is by listening and not by reading. And in most cases, the author themselves read out the book to you. So to try out this new experience, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash free book and claim your free credit. So uh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how can our listeners get to know more about you and uh, get your book? Well, mostly I am grateful for people like you because this book just came out. I'm doing interviews and things like that. And I'm just grateful. There's so many people in the world that are really dedicating their time and their lives to sharing teachings that can benefit others. And doing these interviews is really emphasizing for me how many people there are. It's very inspiring and it's very uplifting. Gives me a lot of hope for the future. So I'm very grateful for that. And in terms of reaching me, the book Chakra Empowerment for Women is available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores. And the website is also Chakra Empowerment for Women. My client site is Enlightened Energetics. And my blog is Mommy Mystic. And then I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that as Chakra Empowerment. Wonderful. And you're on Instagram as well, right? Yes, as Chakra Empowerment. 
Chakra Empire. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So Action Tribe, if you're on Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode. That is mm-hmm. whatever you see on your phone or your device. And then tag me uh, so that I can share your story with our community. Make sure you tag Lisa as well. Chakra Empowerment. My handle is at my7chakras, at my7chakras. And we'll share your story with our respective communities. Uh, so Lisa, thank you for coming on our show, talking to us about the magic of the chakras and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com That is my S-E-V-E-N chakras.com Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.